Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast. I'm going to tweak the tagline here. It's for six and seven, eight figure Amazon sellers who want to grow rapidly and are aiming for a seven or eight figure exit, either that or lovely cash flow if you're going to keep owning the business. So today's guest is going to really help with that because one of the number one problems we have as Amazon sellers that anyone successful obsesses about is inventory management, stock management, or the dreaded out of stock on your best seller. And today's guest is the perfect person to address that. Marvin Harris is the consultant and CEO of Ovals with a Z or a Z, free online inventory checking software. So inventory is his business. And it's the number one problem I see out there. So, Marvin, you're warmly welcome to help solve this problem for us. Oh, well, I won't solve it. I'll just talk about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I would like to solve it. But That's, um, that's very honest so, of you. Well, but anyway, you. yeah, it's, it's a pleasure being on the show. First, thank you for having me. I'll just kind of tell you how I got into this, which is kind of a long journey. But I was a, I was a consultant for about 20 years operations, analytics, and end up going independent. And then I start just talking to a lot of e-retailers. I met a few people that were, I would call them hybrid e-retailers. So they sold online and offline, and they were trying to do more online. And I just started talking to them about operations challenges and inventory just kept coming up. One guy was kind enough to let me come into his, his warehouse, see his deliveries, see his process. He showed me all his Excel spreadsheets. All the staff was all out of sorts, and he was just talking about how painful it was. And, and then I just kept asking more questions. We ended up serving and talking to like 473 e-retailers about it and realized how big of a problem. We just figured it was solved, but it's not solved. So Yeah, okay. That's very honest. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, and thank you for your honesty about that. I think mm-hmm. what, what I've been considering recently is putting together some training for, for people at about this kind of level, people mm-hmm. trying to scale from six figures to seven mm-hmm. and maybe going for a seven-figure exit. And fortunately, you had some friends of mine do that and, and a lot of success in the mastermind with that. But I'm trying to I'd sort of nail down, okay, what's the biggest problem? And actually, it's not subtle. The biggest problem that everyone talks about, cash flow is big. That comes down to funding, I think, mm-hmm. which is huge. But then stock management and inventory uh, stockouts. And yeah, the truth is this, that it's literally a global problem, right? And we can talk into yes. it, but it's it's never going to be one you can entirely solve. So what I maybe a better way than solution is improvement. And if you can improve it, it's going to hugely, you know, improve everything else about your business, right? So let's dig into this a bit more. So tell me, mm-hmm. first of all, quickly, what, what Oval Z or Ovals, Ovals with the Z or the Z does? It, well, in short, we have an inventory checking software so we can notify you about like stockouts and other types of common inventory errors. So we connect our software to Google Sheets and some other integrations like Shopify, QuickBooks, we're adding Amazon. And then we 
we actually digitally audit your inventory and then we tell you when a mistake happens. So we have about about 12 common mistakes that we found by talking to e-retailers, like having the wrong price and the cost mixed up, spoilage, different spoil, expired items. That's a big one. And we get a lot of people telling us they sold something and then this customer came back and said it was spoiled. And then obviously all the out of stock things, out of stock warnings, low counts. But we try to be a little more sophisticated than the basics things that people are tracking because there's three types of accuracy that every business should be looking at. There's operations accuracy, item level accuracy, and then financial accuracy. And so we need to be looking at it from a holistic lens. So to really maximize your profitability and that's what we try to do. That sounds great. Can you just give me those again? Those sounds like a, three types of accuracy sounds like a really good big picture kind of bit well, of wisdom. Actually, I have a calculator on our website that I'll happily share with you. But so financial accuracy, so fi- inventory accuracy, financial accuracy. I have a friend that's an accountant, for example, and her big thing is making sure the inventory is accurate from a financial standpoint, right? So you need to look at are the numbers right? So whether you use QuickBooks, Zero, whatever tool you use. And then the second thing is item level accuracy. Do I have the items I say I have, which is what your customers care about, right? And then then the other one is operations accuracy. Is it in the right place? Do I have the right items in the right place that I say I have them, right? So we need to always be looking at inventory from every lens, the financial piece, the operational piece, and the item level piece, which probably impacts the customer the most. I love that. That's really great. That's immediately some great clarity getting shed here. Mm -hmm. What I would say is also those who are just Amazon sellers uh, at the moment, even if you don't branch outside of the Amazon system, if you like, and that's 100% where your sales get made, Mm -hmm. FBM and 3PL, so fulfillment by merchant and third-party logistics are now a necessity, not not a luxury because the FBA warehouses are so full. We all experienced that, I think, at Q4 last year. And that's now suddenly we, we're going to have to track inventory across multiple systems, apart from the fact that you're going to have stuff at work in progress, work that's finished on a ship mm-hmm. is now going to be not only in FBA, but it's going to be in your own warehouses. So it, yeah, it's, it's a thing that we will have to take massive responsibility for, I think. So tell me a bit. So let, where do we go from here? So we've got three types of accuracy. I mean, you've got 12 common mistakes, which sounds to me like we haven't planned to do that, but I'd love it if, if we could, if you've got a checklist for people that we, we can download or anything well, like that. I do have a checklist. I have an article on our website about this, but I'll just highlight the things I think impact profitability the most. Yeah. Because I think a lot of not just e-commerce sellers, but small businesses that are trying to shift to an e-commerce first business model struggle with. And they all and it's about the it's about tying the the inventory journey to the customer journey and understanding how we need to do that better. And and these errors inhibit that from happening. So error one is if you have what I call products that have spoilage or life cycle dates, the expirations become difficult. And this leads to demand forecasting and markdown strategy. Because if you don't know what things are expiring and when they're expiring, you can't have an effective markdown strategy. So, So that's why I always tell people, look at that, find a way to digitally automate that because you need to know that as quickly as possible so you can effectively try to move those products. So expiring items, items that are going to expire within a window of time that you need to move the product at the highest profit that you can. And then aging reports as, as it relates to those items, like maybe some of them are going to expire 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You might have a different strategy based on where they are in that spoilage cycle. So that's one. 
two. Well, let me just start. I break up inventory errors in three buckets. I call them count errors, monitor errors, and just general inventory item errors. So the spoilage falls into the inventory item error. Second bucket is count errors, which is where most of the problems occur and most of the profitability leaks out. So so I, I, I encourage people to look at error type one, which is do you, what you say you have is what you actually have. And there's several types of things, but at the end of the day, do you have what you say you are telling customers you have? Are you communicating the right information to them? Okay, so, so there's there's a lot to unpack here. This is mm-hmm. brilliant stuff, by the way. Mm-hmm. I think this is the, the level of detail, but also mm-hmm. strategy, thinking mm-hmm. that we've all got to put to it. This is just the cometh the hour, cometh the man. This is like the perfect conversation for where my head is at, and that's, mm-hmm. all, that's in response to my clients and also i've done mm-hmm. a little more probably more amateur service of about 60 people on the facebook groups recently and this definitely stock management was definitely top of the list so mm-hmm. the three types of stock areas can you just recap that for us and, and just remind us which of those you think is the starting point so what we found and we'll continue to learn there i call them count so there's count mm-hmm. errors monitor errors or when people audit things And then I call them just general inventory item errors where you have bad financial information, spoilage, because spoilage isn't necessarily a count error. It's just an inventory item level error, right? So those type of things that, or location errors, for example, you said it's in warehouse B and it's really in warehouse A. And so you, when the when you look at it online, maybe it's not showing available because you have it on the wrong shelf, the wrong place. So those type of th- those type of errors fall into what I call you know inventory errors. Monitor errors are things that you audit for to try to prevent these mistakes from impacting customers. Like, what's my accuracy level? For example, reconciliation between your systems and offline, what you actually received, those in-transit items or those work-in-process items like you talked about earlier, where they're not ready for sale, but you do have them, you know, or or the errors that come in those usually through human human error, right? So, and then the third level is these count errors, which is really where most errors happen, whether it's, you know, fat fingering things, data entry, information not being communicated in real time, which is usually what those things are. And so those are things like my physical count and my, you know, and my reporting systems don't match up. And there's data that shows that can be up to 20 to 30% higher than what people think are in their systems in terms of out of stocks, right? You have the wrong price on an item. Like I, I have a, we have a subscriber that encountered this since he uses local suppliers for his online store. He manually gets prices. He pushes them up into Shopify. In his case, uh, he's uh, selling meat products. And if they don't update the pricing, then he presents the wrong pricing to his customers because he mark he has a markup strategy. And so, so things like that, you know, uh, pricing irregularities. You have the wrong price, or you have the same product but you have variants of that product. And those variants are different prices. And so are, are you, do you have the right variants associated with the items you're trying to move? So those are just some of the common things. And then reconciliation problems where 
their errors for a variety of reasons. And you need to make sure that is the unit of measure synced up because I've, I've seen a lot of times where people have the wrong unit of measure related to a product and then it, it distorts data, you know, things like that. Wow. So, so there's, um, <laughs> there's a lot, lot to take on board here. I, mean, it's, I guess one of the things right. about inventory is that on the one hand, Detail mm-hmm. matters in every part of it. Like when mm-hmm. you can, you're doing production, right. pre, pre-production, mid-production, post-production inspections, and then you mm-hmm. know bills of, of materials and all the specifications. But then once you've created the stuff, it's a it's a mental hernia of a lot of detail. So I guess what interests me is is to get some sort of frameworks and priorities. So there, there's a lot to deal with. It can get overwhelming. I think. Yes. Particularly for, for those who are. You know, maybe newish to to e-commerce, or not necessarily new to e-commerce in the in the sense they haven't been selling stuff online, but they're new to doing it at scale across multiple SKUs, mm-hmm. maybe across multiple marketplaces. Even if you're just staying within the Amazon space, and then a lot of Amazon sellers, of course, they're developing their own website, Shopify, Magento, whatever the the, the mechanism is, mechanism is. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, even though it's just two channels in essence, the mul- it's still multi-channel enough right. to be difficult. So, what would you say? They've got the three types of stock errors. Are there like three types of solutions that neatly map to the general inventory errors, the monitor errors, and and the count errors? Or, or how does how do we start to grapple with this? I always tell people to focus on the count errors because that's what impacts. Because we should always be we should look at inventory as part of customer experience. Okay. And so what is going to impact, I would ask this question, what types of errors will impact the customer experience the most and my profitability the most and focus on that and count errors are the number one thing. So I, I would add, as a customer, me and you probably experienced this, you ordered something and then you thought you could get it and then they send you a cancellation notice or we can't get it or you received you ordered something and then you're about to check out and right before you hit the pay button they said oh we don't have this item in stock how does that make you feel so how it makes you feel is how it makes your customer feel and we want to stop those things from happening as much as possible because those are the things that truly impact your profit not only profitability but the lifetime value, how much money you'll get from a customer and also that customer acquisition, that cost, you you got them to a sale. They were at the bottom of the funnel and you, you lost them. So whatever that customer, however much you paid to acquire that customer went out to do it. So there's a couple of things you said to me off air that this, mm-hmm. I love this, by the way, the mm-hmm. fact that you're, you're focused on an expert area, i.e. inventory and stock management, but also... Mm-hmm. As part of the bigger picture, that's just perfect. And that's exactly the sort of advisor I always want. It's like a good accountant is always mm-hmm. aware that it's not just about numbers. Numbers are a reflection of the business as a whole and a, a drive of the business as a whole. So I know that what you've got, what I've got here is one of your missions is to create better shopping experiences for customers by tackling the trillion dollar lost customer challenge. And that's quite big picture stuff. Now, tell me a little bit more about the impacts because I, I know we were talking about that just before the show started and, and you were telling me some of the stats and, and ways that you know the, the impacts of being out of stock or, or poor stock management errors. Well, there's a, there's a lot of data to unwrap, but I think the biggest thing that impacts sellers online is two things. Well, there is this concept of there's a fancy word called inventory distortion. That's a fancy way of different types of inventory errors happen. Well, across retail, that's a trillion dollar loss of lost uh, sales or lost customers, right? So it's really impactful. So just think, and the average retailer here in the US has an accuracy rate of 63%. So how much more profit, I always ask people this question, 
even if you don't know, if you think you're accurate, if you're not sure, how much are you leaving at the door? Because it's not just that transaction, it's all the other subsequent transactions you might lose with that customer and all the people they'll tell that you have no idea they told, oh, I had a terrible experience with that, and they don't buy from you. Right. And and the word of mouth is the most powerful marketing tool that will grow your business or kill it. Yeah. So how can you prevent, how can you always get good word of mouth experience by delivering quality experiences to people? And it starts with the inventory in, information that you deliver to customers and doing it consistently. So one of the dangers of preparing thoroughly for an interview, I remember a BBC mm-hmm. journalist telling me this stuff is like, don't over prepare Mike because they'll say the best stuff off camera and you have to prompt them. So I've, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to, I've done exactly that because you gave me three beautiful statistics that I'm going to feed back because mm-hmm. I don't want to lose this wisdom. And this is your wisdom, right. not mine. But you mm-hmm. said so three stats that I thought really stuck in my mind. First of all, it costs about $78 on average for a lot of e-commerce to acquire their customer. It kind of doesn't right. matter whether it's e-commerce, retail, whatever. That's the number right. you gave me. The lost customer, the lifetime customer value is you said something like nine thirty-two to eighteen hundred, so nine hundred right. to eighteen hundred dollars, and seventy-two percent of that, those guys who can't get an item for whatever in- inventory distortion reasons, never go back to that vendor. So that's that's a really very thought-provoking number because you haven't lost, you know, a thirty-dollar item. I guess you've lost nine hundred to eighteen hundred dollars worth of of lost opportunity cost, right? Tell me a bit more about that. Well, I always try to tell entrepreneurs that sell online or offline, for that matter, it's you need to look at your customer aggregate, not by transaction, because that's really the value. Because it it takes a lot to get a customer, but it's very easy to lose one. And so that one bad experience and then multiply that by however many times that may have happened for that great product that you're selling, because there's always demand uh, value. So what I, I say is, what can you do to prevent that from happening? You have to, I, I always tell people you have to live in this continuously audit mentality, but cause you won't catch everything manually. So what can you, you need help, whether it's, a better business process, whether it's software, but wherever you can remove friction points so you can make that number and that opportunity cost as low as possible because hidden opportunity is sitting in your business, but you don't see it because you're not looking or you don't have the tools to look because most entrepreneurs look at everything in aggregate, but the opportunities and the details. I like that. Mm-hmm. most business owners look at things in the aggregate um, it's absolutely true I mean like even getting uh, business owners at a certain stage mm-hmm. and it sounds really ridiculously primitive but with Amazon anyway a lot of people look at it in the aggregate in the sense of revenue they can't mm-hmm. even tell you their profit number and I'm talking intelligent people with really strong yes. business backgrounds it's not an easy number to get and that's for the business as a whole mm-hmm. so that makes you think well what else don't they know and that's always what strikes me. And again, with due respect due to the guys I'm talking about, are people running, you know, probably low, even mid figures, seven figure businesses in some cases mm-hmm. in terms of revenue. And they have to fight to get the the profit. It's not an easy number to get. And therefore, you've got to think, well, if they don't know that, then what else don't you know? So that's a very good point. Now, wh- yeah. one of the solutions to this, I guess, is that I know you've got this, this is maybe slightly diving in a different direction, but mm-hmm. if this ties together, you've got this this business first framework that I think, you know, it kind of encompasses a lot of what you're saying. And and let's let's deal with, let's, let's quickly visit that. And I think we're going to revisit sure. that in our next episode. And then mm-hmm. where does inventory fit within that framework? 
Sure. So after talking to a lot of people and being a consultant, I, I usually, and you probably experience this, you end up answering the same problems over and over again. But they all center around one thing. They didn't think about the business process and the customer first. They created a process and then tried to fix it. And so what I found that works really well is thinking at thinking through things with four lenses, knowing your purpose, knowing your customer, knowing your data, and knowing the business behind the business. And inventory fits in that last bullet because that's part of knowing the business behind your business. And it like impacts it. your data, it impacts your customer, and your customer buys from you because of your purpose. And so our how we communicate with our customers is how keeping our promises and when they want to buy something from you and you promise them something and can't do it, you have not kept your promise. And though that four pillar system is really built so you can keep the promise to your customer. Amazing. I love the fact that you've got this strategic framework and inventory has its place kind of in the center. It reminds me of a quote that, that says something like, you cannot optimize a system by optimizing any one of the parts on its own. Mm -hmm. And it strikes me that you're, what you've really got systems thinking built into how you look at inventory. Because as you said, there's the financial impact, there's the customer experience impact, but of course a bad customer experience has a massive financial impact and so mm -hmm. forth and so on. So that's a very helpful big picture framework. So let's let's get a bit more primitive if I could give, mm -hmm. give people some sort of takeaways. You've already said, the three types of stock errors, I really love that classification, general inventory item errors, monitoring errors, and count errors. Focus on that because that's the biggest impact on your customer experience and profit. So those that's where the problems are that we need to focus on. So what are the, the sort of most um, low-hanging fruit or relatively easy-to-implement solutions to, to those count errors, typos, information, not communicating in real time, wrong prices, that kind of stuff? I always say, try to find ways where you can reduce human input and manual activities. Because when we, and you can, there's a lot, of, a lot of data on this, but in general, when you can cut out a manual process, you can, you can probably accelerate opportunity because that error is less likely to happen. I always usually, I always tell people this and they laugh, but there was a study Dartmouth did back in 2009 90, 88% of all Excel files have errors. So you may think your Excel file is perfect, but it's not. It's got some type of error and a material error at that. So where can we pass information? And we use offline tools to create ways to communicate information to other people. So how can you communicate the information to the people in your business that need it? and to your customers without relying on so, so many manual systems. One, it's all about thinking through your process in the end. And two, how can you use aggregation of information from different systems? Because we all use a bunch of different cloud apps. You're selling in different channels. It's getting more complicated. You might be Shopify Plus, you might be Big Commerce, but you, you might not be at that point, but you have to think through the process first and then link that to your systems and technology and enable your people to perform at their best so that your people can perform at their best. So I'm big on finding ways to reduce counting, finding ways to reduce manual reporting, 
and auditing using systems to audit the things you're probably doing manually, whether that's uh, mobile apps or software like uh, ours, of course, you know, just to self-promote or other other software that can be an enabler to help you be the best that, that you can be. Excellent. And, and talking of solutions, then we probably ought to dig into a little bit about what OvalZ does or, or Ovals, sorry, with a Z, and just in case you're looking for it and you're trying to Google it, then how does that kind of play into that process what is how does ovals fit into the system of systems so as we talked to most e-retailers they the two things they kept uh, or the three buckets they said was i need a way to communicate information faster i want to reduce tedious tasks and i want to cut down on mistakes so the way we try to accomplish that is we use a workflow based process so we have this live count so if you have an external account offline, we've digitized that so you're not using a clipboard or a spreadsheet to do it. But you can import a spreadsheet if you use one. All right, so that's fine, too. And then we, we, we use integrations to try to uh, speed up the rest of the process. So we, we connect to Shopify, like I said, other systems, and we use this concept called Sites. So what we found is a lot of people complain on like site level or channel level reporting. And so we have a, you connect your integration, one or many integrations to a site, whatever you're reporting on. And then our live count does a comparison as soon as the data changes. So for example, if you, if you have an account change, it'll automatically run a reconciliation and tell you if there are mistakes that are in your system. Right. And then we'll, we'll report those. And then we send out those different batches of notifications to the administrator with a daily report. You can either get a daily or weekly if, if you prefer, but um, every, every morning you'll get a report telling you all those different errors that exist in your system. And we also attach a list of all of the inventory items, the SKUs that make up those errors. So you don't have to research them, find them. And so we use notifications to trigger that through email. And so, yeah, so, and then we have reports obviously to do analysis against for some of those things to uh, dig into the details. So you can, so if you, you want to just get a high level view, we have a, a spoilage report and we categorize every type of spoilage. So you don't have to figure it out. As long as you've given us the spoilage dates on your products, it'll automatically generate all that information for you. So nice. Okay. So, I guess what what's striking me is that apart from so it, it's going to be quicker if you're mm-hmm. less tedium, which is always yeah. important because tedium means boredom and boredom means lack of right. attention and that means mm-hmm. mistakes, right? So even if you mm-hmm. don't care about your workers being bored, it's never wise. And then fewer mistakes, obviously critical. And we've we've already talked about the massive you know, cost implication of a smallish looking mistake when mm-hmm. you map out across the lifetime customer value or rather the mm-hmm. value you don't get. But also what strikes me is this, that it's it's kind of this concept that a, a couple of guys in the mastermind brought up more than once. I think it was around PPC management, but anything where you've got a lot of data. So if you're running, mm-hmm. say, I think in his case, a couple of hundred SKUs, you probably got a 10, maybe 10 PPC campaigns per SKU if you're really ambitious. Mm-hmm. And so there's 2000 campaigns to manage. It's ridiculous to manage by meticulously looking at all of them every week or even daily. Right. But on the other yeah. hand, you need to know where the problem is and you need to home in on you, your limited time and energy and money into where it's going to have the biggest impact. And the other thing that makes me think of is Jura and, and the whole quality control insight that the American mm-hmm. had that the Japanese then really leapt on, which is sure. that the 80-20 rule that actually, mm-hmm. you know, probably if you look, if you extrapolate that to 95-5, uh, probably 
95% of your errors are going to come from 5% of the causes. And I guess what I what I see in your system is that it, it tells you what that 5% is so you can go straight in it. it does that tie in? Is that, is that roughly? Yeah, that's time. And then also just the time savings, right? Because I, I spoke to this one inventory auditor for a company and he said, I hate doing inventory because I'm scared I'm going to lose my job if I do it wrong. So I actually think that causes more errors, right? Because the fear factor. So I just want people to focus on things that have impact and do what they love. And nobody likes doing inventory, but it will help you do what you love. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's, uh, it's interesting. I hadn't heard anyone say that. I, I guess I deal with a lot of owner managers, so they're mm-hmm. not so much scared of losing their job as they're losing their business. But, right. but yeah, those, those are sort of a lot of unhelpful emotional baggage attached to inventory management, I guess, as well. And again, yep. having a system that enables you to sleep well at night, whether you're a manager of inventory or a warehouse for somebody else, or whether you own the warehouse and you manage the staff and you own the stock, it, whichever it is, that that's also, I guess, peace of mind is weirdly important for business outcomes, right? I always find there's actually a correlation between somebody being very jittery and nervous and, and their kind of financials look weird and their business strategy looks odd versus somebody who's a bit calmer and enjoying life. So that's interesting you pick up on that mentality thing because I think that also two sides of the same coin, right? And and mm-hmm. really for me, that the whole message I'm getting from you in this really uh, excellent episode, I think, is is simply that it's systems thinking that they're, they're two sides of the same coins mm-hmm. and it's incredibly important to sort out inventory and that the actual cost of not sorting it is horrendous and equally the opportunity that's hidden in the detail that as you, you flagged up, once you have a way of grasping that detail, that, that's really also a very positive message, I think, to take out. Oh, well, so. oh, well thank you. I appreciate that. I, I think what we just want to do is, so they don't have to look for it, we'll tell them what it is. And all we want to do is just make meet the needs of our customers. And so whatever we need to do to make the product better is what we want to do, because this leads to demand forecasting, right? So the next step in the journey is how do you figure out what to have and when to have it, right? So, but step one is knowing what you have. So that's kind of like our... I would call it our internal pillar. Let's help people know what they have and have create better customer experience. Well, step two is when we get the feedback from customers, now we can go to the next step and say, tell them what they should have and when to have it. Because it, most inventory, there's a lot of cash flow wasted by buying over too much of the same item. And what I found in my research is most people buy on gut, not data in terms of products, like how much uh, should I have 30 of these or 15? So forecasting is, this leads to forecasting problems, which, you know, gets to the financial part we talked about earlier. So I really feel like we could really impact a lot of small and mid-market businesses because they don't have the teams, ERPs and all these fancy systems, but we could give them their version of it through through cloud and through cloud app apps and integrations so we can make them more nimble and quicker which an erp can't give them right so. and remind me what erp is uh, I- oh so so i'm sorry so that's a fancy word for enterprise resource planning system that big a lot of big companies use like oracle has one sap sap is an erp system so it's a, a whole system to do all your procurement billing everything but in today's world we use a bunch of cloud apps to do that but what that causes is data all over the place. So we like to see ourselves as bringing that, the data together so we can 
uh, informed quickly so people can react to the information and make decisions. We want to be purpose-driven and not just unuseful information. So. Amazing. And mm -hmm. and by the way, the integration, the word integration is just used casually throughout all of us, myself mm -hmm. included, of course, who use right. a ton of our cloud apps. But really as a concept, it's much more profound than that, I think, because mm -hmm. um, fighting like 25 separate fights, whether it's separate mm -hmm. marketplaces, mm -hmm. inventory, here finance here funding here shouting at your bank manager shouting at you probably here you know th those being separate is kind of the, the problem behind the problem i guess is what you're saying or part of it and that oh, integration sure. is not just i want to say the word integration has been devalued by being just a, a sort of mechanical linking of two software systems at its most basic and i want to say that if that's done well at its best it's a profound way of re you know, making a business a whole again, you know, instead of being broken into bits. And it sounds like you guys are, are really, really good at that. So if people want to use Ovals or want to work with you, if you offer consulting, when that's the first question, what do you offer? Do you, is it purely a software solution? Do you also offer personal consulting on top of that? How does that work? Well, we've de facto offered consulting, so people can definitely contact me for that. I love, to be honest, I just love helping people. So if our software can be a help, but my you know background can, feel free to reach out to me. You know, my email is marvin at ovalz.io. So you can uh, also use the software for free and you can also help us improve it. You know, if you say, hey, I need this integration or I'd like to use this, but you're missing this, let us know. We always want to improve and make it better to meet the needs of everybody. So you can go to ovals.io and start using it for free. We, we keep it pretty simple. We have two plans, a free plan and then a paid plan. And then depending on how many inventory records you have, that the cost escalates based on inventory records. So and we, we love helping people. So, yeah. You can help. You can reach out to us for whatever need, and we'll try to meet you where, wherever we can. So, fantastic. Well, look, Marvin, been a real pleasure. I'm looking forward to talking through operational friction points, or, or really yes. more sexily, how to work on your business, not in it. Often discussed, mm -hmm. harder to implement. So, looking forward to that discussion. But for the for the meantime great stuff on inventory really some fantastic insights mm -hmm. i've certainly never heard put that way before and really an essential problem to address so i'd urge everyone to at least check out ovals.io and, and as much as anything take the big picture learnings from this as well whatever system you use and uh, marvin thank you so much for sharing your great wisdom oh thank you for having me Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.